Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Psychology 360 podcast. Today, I have with me Professor Radik Tacek of the First Faculty of Medicine of Charles University in Prague. And I will just uh, leave the introduction to you, uh, Radik. Thank you, Simon. Uh, thank you for inviting me here. It's my pleasure. Um, as you said, I'm the professor of medical psychology, mm -hmm. I'm as well as uh, clinical psychologist, and uh, I've been a uh, forensic psychologist for nearly 15 years. Great. And today we're actually going to be talking about lifestyles and the impact on psychology. And you've also been doing research on this topic and you were my PhD supervisor and uh, colleague. Now we do research together. And yeah, so uh, what, what, is, um, what is the first thing you would like to discuss related to lifestyles? And because it's a very general topic, it's a very broad topic, but yeah. Yeah, well, in fact, um, is the topic uh, that I'm interested in, uh, and we can uh, call it medical psychology, health psychology, or as well as life, uh, lifestyle psychology. And I would say that uh, we are living literally in very exciting period because up to now, at least uh, how my education was, mm -hmm. uh, psychology and um, physical health were absolutely divided. Mm -hmm. So there were purely psychological issues and purely medical issues and uh, they didn't meet or they met rarely. Uh, because medical uh, experts, especially medical, psych uh, medical uh, doctors, thought uh, that uh, the only and the primary uh, object of treatment is the body and are the physical methods and um, uh, all uh, drugs uh, that are used in medicine. And psychologists thought that uh, the psychological issues are just psychological. So uh, if you had, for example, uh, depression, psychologists talked about uh, your childhood and uh, uh, the, psych uh, the psychologist didn't, didn't examine uh, your health status. And now we know that these two fields, psychology and medicine, are in fact uh, the one thing. Yeah. It's just, uh, let's say, the point of view at the human. So mm -hmm. the medical doctors look at the human uh, from the molecular perspective mm -hmm. and someone far is mind while psychologists uh, are looking at uh, a human uh, from the top perspective of the of our mind yeah. and uh, looking back maybe uh, looking further maybe somewhere uh, towards the molecules yeah so that makes sense and also in medicine we have the compartmentalization of medicine with the body parts you know yes. which is good for some things like surgeries and things that are very specific and you can get specialized doctors and this is this is interesting so basically now we're in an era where it's bas basically psychology and medicine is uniting and it's become a more holistic field and i would like to mention that there have been uh, precedence to this. I mean, one thing that comes to mind is uh, body work in psychology, which started very early on. I mean, in the 1940s, 1950s, we had Wilhelm Reich and 
his, uh, I like his uh, statement, the body is the unconscious. And I think that even though uh, as therapists, we might see people and, and work with them on a mind, you know, on a mindset type of um, platform, or we look at, we analyze their cognitions, their behaviors. The first thing that always impacts me, at least, is the body, is the person who's walking in. And you kind of get a feel like if somebody's coming with anxiety, you kind of see the tension, you see, you can observe the breathing, you can observe a lot of things. And so this would make sense that the field would eventually move this way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, of course, the psychologists were aware, as well as the medical doctor, that there is a connection. Mm -hmm. But it was very difficult yeah. uh, to look for the connection and to make any science in that area because we didn't have any... Uh, we had theories, mm -hmm. as uh, you mentioned, for example, but we didn't have any means how to uh, really make uh, scientific projects uh, at the border of the mental and the physical state. And I would say that the most exciting uh, new field that is emerging for uh, several years now is epi epigenetics. Mm -hmm. Because uh, epigenetics is the explanation uh, of where the body and the mind me meets yes. or a meeting, uh, I, I would say. So, and the epigenetic shows absolutely clearly that uh, our behavior, even our thoughts, are influencing the expression of specific genes, mm -hmm. and the expression then uh, influences uh, the body, right, as well as in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. There may be a change, slight change um, in your physiology and it immediately uh, influences your uh, uh, your mental state. Right, and this, what, what comes to my mind is the impact of the environment on epigenetics. So if somebody is born into a very uh, poor household or a very adverse type of situation, I can imagine like people born in uh, war zones or places like that will have a different gene uh, express different gene expressions uh, than people living in a very comfortable uh, environment and with gene expression and epigenetics that uh, one thing that also comes to my mind is uh, the the concept of pollution and uh, how environmental toxins can play a role in um, the development and expression of certain disorders so I remember doing, uh, doing, reading literature on ADHD and the exposure to certain chemicals. And one that comes to my mind is BPA, bisphenol A from plastics, hmm. as well as exposure to certain drugs. I, I'm thinking nicotine uh, when, when, the, there's, when the baby's in the womb. And on that topic, I, one thing that is interesting to me that I haven't really read much about is the topic of well like epigenetics and maybe memories that are kind of passed down this this topic of genetic memory which has never well it's been proven with uh, transgenerational trauma yeah example. well it's been proven not only on humans but mm -hmm. as well as on mice yeah. uh, and other animals so right. um the transference of uh, specific uh, experiences uh, at the genetical level is now 
proven as a fact. Mm-hmm. But uh, let let's go back to the lifestyle. Sure. Uh, because uh, what we are talking about the um, epigenetics um, or the epigenetics uh, clearly demonstrates uh, that it's uh, mainly our behavior and as you are saying uh, the environment that uh, influences our health. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there are researches that uh, and theories that say that it's up to 90 percent um, uh, our behavior and influence uh, and environment uh, that influences uh, our health. So 90 percent. Uh, so then we can say that uh, changing behavior as diet or exercising mm-hmm. is a way of treatment. Yeah. So the current medicine is uh, very much focused on treatment, as we said, uh, uh, on treatment mainly with uh, pharmacological methods, surgical methods, and mm-hmm. or technological methods. Yeah. But um, the current medicine forgot uh, that... Uh, the main source of healing and changing uh, our health is uh, in our behavior and everything related. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that makes sense. So you, you said 90% is basically lifestyle related or yeah, of disease? Yeah. There are authors uh, that claim that it's up to 90%. Wow. Uh, our behavior, it includes um, anything we eat, anything... Um, uh, or how we th- are thinking. Yeah. yeah There's an interesting research as well uh, showing that the perception of uh, stress events, mm-hmm. uh, if it is like the negative um, uh, negative uh, perception or the positive perception, influences um, uh, the length of our life. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Elizabeth, Dr. Elizabeth Blackburn who showed uh, that uh, if you have like the negative perception of stress, uh, your t- your telomeres are getting uh, shorter, shorter yeah. uh, in much faster than if uh, your uh, perception of stress is positive. So basically, what would a positive perception of stress be? Because what what I'm thinking is like a chance to grow or a ch- like a yeah. learning experience. Yeah, uh, definitely. Stress is something that we cannot avoid. Uh, and stress is uh, the only source of our growing. Mm-hmm. So it's in adulthood as well as in childhood. So uh, stress in general, we can perceive as a challenge mm-hmm. or as a threat. Yeah. And you are the only one who uh, selects uh, whether it's gonna be challenge or threat. So if you have a um, uh, difficult life situation, you can get uh, overwhelmed by feelings uh, of threat. Yeah. But uh, in many cases, you cannot change the situation. But what you can change is uh, your perception. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, what I'm doing with my clients as the first step is that I say, uh, let's, uh, uh, let's um, put... Uh, on one side, the things that you can ch- uh, that you can change, and on the other side, uh, that you cannot change. Mm-hmm. And then, when the patient realizes that uh, he or she can change some things, mm-hmm. and other things that are problematic can just observe, it may be a great relief. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this uh, actually reminds me of uh, prayer, the serenity prayer, mm -hmm. which is also used in the 12-step programs and Alcoholics Anonymous. And it basically gets to the point of, well, knowing what you can change and what you cannot and being able to accept uh, these things. And so, yeah, this, this uh, makes sense. In terms of everyday uh, stressors, yes, it's hard to avoid and it is connected to our evolution or our, our uh, survival instincts, this flight, you know, fight or flight yeah. responses, which in the modern world may oftentimes be uh, out of proportion or in, you know, misplaced in places like, uh, you know, being in a traffic jam, driving and uh, things like deadlines at work. So things of that sort. So, yeah, so these are these are good. And in terms of lifestyle, you also mentioned uh, things like diet, things like, um, I don't know, other behaviors. I know there's research on certain uh, supplements related to stress. One that comes to my mind right now is theanine. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's basically, uh, for those who don't know, it comes from the tea plant. And it's basically a, count it's a chemical that counteracts the caffeine and basically relaxes you. And so this has been found to help with stress. Uh, a few episodes ago, uh, ago, I had Christina Rana talk about CBD, mm -hmm. um, which could also help with stress. Actually, with that one, I, I haven't seen as much literature on that topic. Mm -hmm. But uh, what what do you what do you do you work with these things also with clients? I mean, because it's it seems out of uh, I don't know many psychologists who would do that, but it makes sense. It definitely makes sense, uh, and that's uh, what I was talking about that the. Uh, feel uh, that the border between psychology and medicine is simply disappearing and mm -hmm. we cannot work just on psychological issues without talking about uh, lifestyle yeah. and when we talk about lifestyle and nutrition especially uh, then we usually do not uh, think of uh, specific um, like um, uh, specific drugs as you're saying or specific mm. plants we are talking about nutrition in general yeah. because if epigenetics is really exciting field the other exciting field that is in between our mind and uh, the physical body is the microbiome that we right. have yeah. and it's uh, greatly impacted uh, by what we eat mm -hmm. on one side and not the other side uh, the good microbiome uh, is responsible for 60 to 80 percent uh, production of uh, serotonin and dopamine yeah so yes. the key neurotransmitters of our mental health right. so um, yes uh, is the nutrition and when it comes to question of nutrition so what do we mean uh, is especially uh, the real food mm -hmm. uh, because uh, our society is grown literally grown up on uh, technologically processed food, fast mm -hmm. food and everything uh, yeah. like that. And we know that even eating uh, eating one cheeseburger from McDonald's mm -hmm. uh, may severely impact your microbiome and may uh, del uh, may decrease your mood in following days. Okay. Uh, yeah. So um, there, it is not clear 
whether you should eat more meat or less meat or more vegetables. Some research suggests that uh, the best thing for uh, your microbiome is real uh, food. Yeah. So when it's real, is okay. Mm-hmm. And then we may uh, discuss, uh, for example, whether the vegetarian or vegan uh, diet is better than mm-hmm. the carnivore diet. Yeah. Uh, but it's other thing. Uh, the main imperative uh, for now is eat re- real food, avoid anything that is um, that is uh, technologically processed. Yeah, and just to go back a second, for those who don't know what the microbiome is or what we're talking about, we're talking about the gut microbiota, which is a mix of bacteria, fungi, etc. And there's we have several pounds of uh, this microbiome in our in our intestines. And exactly. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Most of our body uh, is uh, created not by human tissues, but mm-hmm. or human genetic material. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, majority of our body is created by um, uh, genetic material of um, uh, of the biome. It means yeah. uh, these are different bacteria, uh, viruses, mm-hmm. uh, funguses. Yeah and other uh, other uh, organisms like that. And the biggest, uh, well, one of the biggest uh, field for microbiome is the gut. Yeah. And uh, up to now we, th- we knew that uh, there are lots of bugs, different bugs in our gut, but uh, we didn't know much what uh, was its role. Mm-hmm. Now we know that as I'm saying, the good bugs, although, although it's very difficult to distinguish between the good right. and the bad bugs, but um, some some bugs simply in our gut are creating uh, are responsible for creating dopamine and serotonin, yeah. which is the basis of our mental uh, health, and thus we should be uh, feeding our good microbiome with good things. Yeah. And uh, we know that it's plants that uh, can generally uh, positively influence uh, your microbiome as well as any real food, as I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And what we must not forget is uh, exercise, because mm-hmm. it's the other part of a healthy lifestyle. Uh, exercise is stress for our body, mm-hmm. but uh, it um, builds up uh, resiliency. Yeah. So for example, or it's not only about going to uh, the gym and mm-hmm. um, running marathons, but it's uh, about any physical activity. There are researches that shows, for example, that uh, walking for 30 minutes a day mm-hmm. may have similar effect on mild and moderate depression as uh, uh, antidepressants. Wow, okay. Uh, so as well, we know that physical activity is the it's only physical activity that um, um, leads to production of new neurons mm. for example and it's also the physical activity that uh, is greatly influencing uh, our microbiome again okay so yeah. so in terms of uh, this this is interesting because from previous you know the way I learned the microbiome was previously understood it's just uh, you know bacterias and viruses that are there to break down, to break down matter, to break down food for processing. And so these discoveries related to the production of neurotransmitters in the gut in the gut is actually pretty recent. And it makes sense though. Again, going back just from 
I mean, kind of intuitively, people always have these kinds of saying like, I felt it in my gut or, you know, my gut is telling me to do uh, something. So basically what you're saying is real food. So because uh, I know, again, in, with supplements, there's a big market with these probiotics and other specific uh, products that are supposed to help the microbiota and uh, I've read that there's mixed results from these and I know it's a pretty big market with probiotics. Well, definitely. Um, all supplements influencing your uh, physical or mental health or both, um, it's uh, really something that's selling very well. But mm -hmm. we have to, if someone is about to really, uh, really seriously change his his or her health, mm -hmm. uh, they have to begin with changing their diet. Because okay. if you have junky diet, yeah. then you may eat any kind of supplements and it will never help you. Mm -hmm. As well as if you do not decide to exercise, uh, you may eat any supplement and uh, simply nothing will happen. Mm -hmm. We have to be aware that different types of uh, uh, diets, uh, carnivore, vegan, uh, vegetarian, may require supplementing some vitamins, as yeah. usual, vitamin B12, which is uh, important. We should be supplementing vitamin D, as well as uh, uh, omega fatty yeah. acids. Right. And uh, that's for everybody, and that's uh, where the research shows that if you're supplementing or if you have good levels of vitamin D, B12, and so on, then your health is okay. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other side, if you like, do not eat enough food that is containing these uh, these vitamins, then you may get too serious health trouble. So at first, change your diet, start exercising, uh, you will definitely feel good, and then uh, you may continue with uh, some specific supplements right. uh, that will have ju just a little effect. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, junky diet, because that's actually what I was thinking uh, when you said, you know, eat a cheeseburger, and then you may have problems the next day. because. Uh, it sounds like, and we know that uh, when you have fat and salt or fat and sugar, you get this dopamine rush. So it's kind of like ingesting a drug and, and then you, you have the come down, let's say. So is that's and that's feeding, it's, it's creating maybe an imbalance of the microbiome or feeding bacteria. Because I, I know there's specific, as you said, there's now specific research looking at um, like which which of the microbiomes, which specific bacteria create which specific neurotransmitter. And in fact, they were even talking about uh, making new psychiatric drugs that target the gut rather than directly imp impacting the brain. So. Well, we're far from the drugs that will uh, directly uh, influence our gut. Right. Um, and it's more the... Um, fetal transplants uh, yeah. that will play play a kind of role, but mm -hmm. it's in the phase of research. But yes, uh, the junkie diet. Uh, some authors uh, talk about uh, so-called food genocide, uh -huh. and uh, especially Dr. Furman, um, who is like one of 
very visible persons in uh, like promotion of uh, vegan and the whole food plant-based diet mm-hmm. wrote a book uh, that is called um, the food genocide and he is uh, clearly demonstrating that all the diseases that we are fighting with now as especially um, heart diseases mm-hmm. uh, cancer yeah. um, <coughs> diabetes uh, comes with the beginning of the 20th century mm-hmm. uh, when we are uh, when the let's say uh technological production of food uh was uh like increasing yeah and now most of uh most of our diet is created uh, with, uh f- is, is created uh from a technologically processed um uh food yeah so basically refined food yes, refined exactly. flours um i had to, yeah so just before we continue with this uh g- food genocide because it's quite a strong uh, word quite a strong title for a book. I would like to get into it a little bit. But when we have people, or when we have people who get addicted to this kind of junk food, it sounds. I mean, I can imagine it's a little bit difficult to transition to just say, okay, well, we're we're gonna do, uh, you know, you're gonna start eating apples rather than uh, hamburgers, or you know, it, it sounds very difficult. So how do you? There's another book uh, called The Pleasure Trap, mm-hmm. and um, I've heard of this one. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, showing uh, that the main goal of food industry is to earn money, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, you will earn money if the customers will buy uh, your products, and yeah. they will buy your products. Uh, when they get addicted to it. Mm-hmm. So exactly as you were saying, most of the processed food um, uh, is a trap because mm-hmm. it um, tastes uh, very good, because it's um, salty or sugary, because there is lots of um, fat. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can get easily get trapped uh, with um, technologically processed food and uh, you may get addicted to it Mm -hmm. and we know that uh, the food addiction is much more serious as any maybe any drug or alcohol addiction okay because as you see uh, that the number of people with obesity is growing yeah and these people uh, you can give them very easy advices uh, like move more uh, eat less of technologically processed food and eat more apples, yeah. veggies, and so on. So right. it's very easy yeah. to treat obesity, but uh, the people, most of the people, are not able. They do not have the will. They always come back to the uh, processed food because uh, it's so addictive. So uh, that's something uh, that we have to think of as parents mm-hmm. that we're building up these addictions from early childhood and of course uh, because we know that uh, some some bacteria and viruses may influence uh, our behavior yeah. then if we simply uh, grow specific uh, bacteria or specific microbiome um, that requires the fast food, the microbiome will change our behavior to do it. So mm-hmm. we may say that it's not only our, about our will, yeah. like 
the mental state, mm -hmm. but uh, simply uh, specific uh, microorganisms can literally change uh, our behavior. Mm, yeah, so that's interesting. So that would leave a, the door open then for things like you mentioned, fecal uh, transplants, yeah. which now are used, uh, I believe, only for clo uh, this disease called Clostridium difficilis, which yeah, is an yes. intestinal infection. Yes, yes, but there are emerging studies um, using fecal transplant transplantation uh, in, for example, autism, depression, okay. and as well as anxiety. Right. I've read actually about animal studies, rat studies yes. uh, related to autism spectrum disorders and how that does work. So that's, that's uh, yeah, that's very interesting. And in terms, and going back to what you were talking about, like the uh, food genocide. So basically, most of the diseases that we're dealing with today are lifestyle diseases and would you say, well, this is always the question, would you say that diet is then equally important to or more important than uh, exercise? Or should we get well, out of this paradigm? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's about the lifestyle we are designed for. Mm -hmm. And we are designed for uh, physical activity yeah. and eating uh, real food. We are mm -hmm. not designed for uh, sitting at TV for a few hours a day mm -hmm. or not moving at all and yeah. eating uh, technologically processed food. Mm -hmm. So uh, we cannot uh, like <clears throat> say that food is more important or less important. Uh, it has to be about a real uh, lifestyle change. And as bad lifestyle may lead to many diseases that mm -hmm. we will regret in future, uh, changing lifestyle may uh, not only treat them, or but or even um, reverse mm -hmm. them. So there are many studies uh, now that changing your diet may uh, literally cure diabetes, for example, okay. that some of the cancer processes can be substantially influenced by uh, just changing your diet. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And I would say, well, what I find is, well, this is kind of hard to say, because I, I say, listen to your body about food, listen to your body, you know, what feels... It's right. a, a little bit tricky, because... Mm -hmm. um, uh, your body may already be influenced by all uh, the dependencies and <laughs> maybe may be influenced by uh, specific microorganisms that yeah. are literally uh, directing your behavior towards what they need. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we think that it's our pure will, but right. it's uh, not correct. Uh, it's a will of uh, some tiny bugs somewhere yeah. in our body. Yeah, and I've, I did read uh, about some of those examples, like there were uh, the candida fungus would exactly. send some kind of uh, cravings to mm -hmm. your brain. Uh, then we get it like other types of parasite, like toxoplasmosis yeah, exactly. from cats, which is not clear, like what the effect of that is on humans. I mean, adult humans, when someone has it, I know there's... Um, well, the toxoplasmosis is uh, researched quite well. 
um, especially by a Czech professor, Dr. Uh, professor Flager, okay. uh, who um, have been studying uh, toxoplasmosis and its impact on human behavior for years. Okay. And he he has probably uh, published uh, lots of articles on that issue. And his uh, research show, uh, clearly shows uh, how toxoplasmosis can directly influence uh, behavior of men and women. Mm-hmm. So, for example, men are more risky, yeah. uh, while women may be less risky, and it's so interesting. Okay, that's the first time I've heard of that. That because yeah. uh, I know there was correlational studies with things like car accidents, motorcycle accidents, and people having toxoplasmosis in uh, their brain. Unfortunately, all, all that studies are uh, correlational studies. Right. Because we cannot examine yet uh, how exactly uh, toxoplasmosis influences the behavior and w- what are the pathways. Mm-hmm. But um, we just have to be aware that uh, when we talk about free will, that it's um, very difficult term. Yeah, right, right. And it's uh, it's often it's now being argued in in neurology whether we actually have any free will or yes, the extent exactly. to what what is free will. And then when we get back to uh, obese people, mm-hmm. and they they are usually saying, I I know, so it's the cognitive level. I know that I should be doing this and not doing that. Right. But I have not enough will. Mm-hmm. The will is literally power yeah and uh, we have to like build and train the power uh, or we, we will be uh, defeated by something else by our bacterias uh, candidas in case of uh, obese people and uh, many other uh, species right uh, but now it's getting a little paradoxical because we just said there may not be a free will so how do you build the strength so you basically it would be the free will, like building better bacteria or like feeding better bacteria to then uh, a certain direction. I, I think that uh, the free will, uh, we may um, train and build free will. And it's uh, especially upon doing anything that is not comfortable. Hmm. Anything that is comfortable, uh, I would say, is not really good for our body so Mm. uh, laying at a couch looking at tv uh, eating chocolate (laughs) and uh, potato chips it's so pleasant right but uh, and we feel like motivated to do it because it's so great but uh, this is not about our free will Mm -hmm. Uh, free will we build free will and we train free will if we do something that is not comfortable. So like taking a cold shower in the morning, yeah. uh, training or doing any physical activity every day mm-hmm. and restricting the food that I'm addicted to. Okay. So uh, I just, it's funny you mentioned the cold shower because that's something that, and, and by the way, this could be one of the advice from this session could be step out of your comfort zone yeah. and do, you know, just prone yourself to some action like this. Uh, and th- you mentioned the cold shower. I've been taking the cold shower every morning now, and I well, I haven't been counting it, but it's it's been a few years on and off. But now I've been doing it straight for about a year, and it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the times where I'm out of the house or I don't have the chance to, it changes completely my morning. 
And uh, have you been doing that as well? Like yeah, s- yeah, yeah. Stream cold. Yeah, my father was doing it f- since I remember. Okay. So he um, he tried to motivate me, which was difficult when I was a child. Right. But uh, now, as you are saying, I'm doing it years mm-hmm. on and off. Uh, sometimes. I'm too lazy and I'm too comfortable and then my day is completely different. Yeah. But um, stepping out of the comfort zone for a while mm-hmm. can make a huge difference for yep. the rest of the day, as you're saying. Right. As well as regularly stepping out of the out of our comfort zone can literally make our life uh, different. Yeah. And I have to say, I found myself certain days where, you know, maybe... Uh, the day before, you know, maybe I had too much to drink and in the morning. I was like, oh, I'm not going to do it now. But actually, pr- you know, proning myself, just saying, okay, like in my in my inner mind, like challenging myself, you got to do it even now. Do it. And, and it, it was rewarding even at those times. Now, you mentioned something, just not to be too tedious, but you mentioned chocolate. I know that dark chocolate is extremely healthy, that I, that's something that... Uh, it's high in fat, and, but it's it's also good for the heart. It's supposed to raise the serotonin levels. Uh, definitely, the chocolate as um, again the real food that is mm-hmm. growing at the trees right. is healthy. Yeah, but uh, as uh, the industry adds sugar and um, uh, different oils into mm-hmm. it, uh, it makes it uh, absolutely uh, unhealthy. So if yeah. you eat the real chocolate, let's say 90 and mm-hmm. more percent, it may be beneficial uh, in some uh, in some dosage. But um, when I say chocolate, then, or when anyone, anyone say chocolate, then uh, we imagine all that nice uh, processed uh, right. bars and so on. Yeah, so that that makes sense. So this, yeah, and one thing that I find myself doing is actually trying to even out this ratio with uh, food and exercise. So mm-hmm. I'm somebody who likes to eat um, sometimes not the healthiest food. Like I'm, I mean, I'm crazy about Mexican food. I mm-hmm. like very spicy food. I don't know if that's a relation, if that has a connection with the biome, <laughs> microbiome or not. But then I say, okay, well, I'm going to hog out and, I, and then I will do a lot of exercise mm-hmm. to compensate for this. So I don't know yeah. if, if you find these. D- definitely. These uh, the research shows that um, like regular physical activity can like outweigh mm-hmm. negative uh, things that we can consume or that we cannot uh, can be exposed to. So yeah. yes, if you drink alcohol, for example, on a regular basis or time to time, yeah, uh, then uh, if you do physical activity, uh, it can be very beneficial. If you just drink alcohol without any physical activity, it will. There's nothing that can outweigh that. Right. And with alcohol, there's a lot of talk. I mean, we're in Czech Republic. It's, uh, I think, the number one country for beer drinking in Europe or maybe in the yeah, world. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah. And I think something like the second or third position in drinking alcohol in total. Wow. Yeah. And uh, there's been lots of myth uh, about alcohol, especially 
that alcohol in moderate regular yeah, what uh, I was gonna base do. is healthy mm-hmm. uh, now we know that no dosage of alcohol is healthy Any yeah that's very surprising yeah well um, it's surprising uh, simply alcohol is toxin uh-huh, and, yeah uh, any toxin okay. uh, especially neurotoxin and alcohol is neurotoxin mm-hmm. um, will always be uh, will always be uh, dangerous for our body so if you're healthy um, uh, physically fit and you drink time to time the body can have the power uh, to fight uh, with that mm-hmm. but uh, alcohol is bad in any dosage in any time yeah and that's interesting because if i remember correctly i know that the american heart association or some there was official medical advice related to moderate yes drinking. yes if if few years uh, from now uh, the research showed that alcohol may uh, have uh, that as I, as I said um, mild to moderate uh, regular consumption of alcohol which means like one or two glasses mm-hmm. of wine per day yeah. may have beneficial uh, effect especially on our heart health right uh, there were studies showing that um, uh, regular consumption of alcohol may decrease uh, uh, bad cholesterol mm-hmm. as well yeah but uh, when uh, this it was just correlational studies yeah but when <clears throat> or nowadays we have uh, longitudinal studies that are showing that uh, alcohol is causing um, around 25 uh, types of cancer mm, uh, wow. we have combined uh, research focused on the correlation of behavior misconception of alcohol and genetics and all these researches shows uh, show that uh, simply there is no positive effect of alcohol literally no it was only artifacts uh, (laughs) and uh, alcohol as I'm saying is bad at uh, any times and in any dosage all right so I will play devil's advocate here and try to balance out this claim with this so if somebody has uh, high stress high anxiety and is accustomed to having let's say two glasses of wine and they find that you know the this these two glasses lower the anxiety lower the stress wouldn't you say that then you know the stress and anxiety could cause more health issues no No. because alcohol will always especially in case of uh, alcohol is one of the like frequently used um, treatment for uh, depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. like self-treatment right yeah like self-medication self-medication yes and the problem is that uh, alcohol um, is a toxin that uh, really uh, or literally um, like uh, influences negatively influences our brain and our body so it is um, the symptoms of uh, depression anxiety will in fact increase mm-hmm. so it will decrease it uh, just in the situation yeah. temporary but uh, the next day you may feel even worse mm. and upon that you're uh, building dependency because um, drinking alcohol on a regular basis for its uh, effect 
so it means anti-anxiolytic effect yeah. and so on, is already the first phase of um, uh, dependency. Yeah. And uh, simply we want to avoid this. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense, what you just said. So, And this is something that we find often in terms of cognitions of people with addictions that you know, when you're drinking because it is the medicine or because mm -hmm. it relieves a certain state of mind, mm -hmm. it's different when you have the mindset of saying, well, I'll have the wine because I like the taste. It's already just how you're phrasing that in your mind makes a difference. And yeah, because you're, you know, ideally, and this is me talking, my own opinion, uh, ideally, these states of consciousness, anxiety, depression are things you want to kind of accept and face mm. and then you know and then be aware of them and then work you know in therapy and um, yeah and I can imagine also that alcohol feeds some kind of bad or it sterilizes uh, your gut mm. okay uh, because um, alcohol is used as a sterilization agent yeah. um, in surgery and so on right um, so uh, if you drink alcohol you're you are literally sterilize sterilized sterilizing uh, your gut mm. so it's easy right and so to give some kind of um, general like health advice we or not health advice but lifestyle recommendation you you don't drink alcohol ever or of course, I'm a Czech. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's>, <laughs> so I, uh, I've definitely uh, been, uh, or I, I was drinking time to time with friends, and right. I considered it uh, as a, a normal part of my life, especially when my doctor, literally, let's say seven years ago, said or told told me, uh, you have slightly higher cholesterol you should uh, drink a glass of wine every mm -hmm. evening yeah so uh knowing that of course supported uh that i tried to drink the glass of wine every day but uh, i'm not wine type so uh, i didn't do it oh but uh, the research that we have now available uh, is so much appealing mm -hmm. that even being Czech, I'm trying to uh, restrict alcohol as much as possible. So okay. um, it must be really a social event yeah. and I have to feel it, which may be uh, literally a few times per year. Okay. And um, uh, I, I don't... Uh, like have the feeling that the absence of alcohol in my life uh, did anything wrong yeah yeah absolutely. on the other side mm -hmm. so uh, I definitely support uh, anyone who listens uh, just to restrict or mm -hmm. totally totally avoid alcohol avoid yeah alcohol. sounds a tack on my religion no, I'm joking. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah. um, so and basically and other uh, research um, let's say other drugs, we're talking about alcohol, I consider it a drug even though it is, you know, connected with culture, it's connected with food. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but other drugs that are being looked at right now that are being maybe reconsidered and may sound like a heresy, uh, nicotine, mm -hmm. which is extremely addictive, um, but seems to have positive effects on the mind. 
and nicotine when not smoked obviously like new like harm reduction mm-hmm. methods of taking nicotine so let's say nicotine gum the patch or these mm-hmm. new you know like uh, nicotine uh, chewing mm-hmm. fake tobacco type products um, what do you think about this type of thing because it has a benefit on the mind but maybe it doesn't have a benefit on I don't know. Uh, to be honest, um, that is not uh, or that's behind my field of expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, there are some studies that nicotine may have positive effect, as well as there are studies that nicotine may have negative effect. Okay. That it may be carcinogenic, uh, okay. and so on. So uh, we know for many years that nicotine have, for example, very positive. Or treatment-like effect in uh, schizophrenia, yeah. um, and now it may be extended. But uh, to be honest, I do not know so much about nicotine. There are other, other, especially psychotropic drugs, yeah. um, as uh, LSD, psilocybin, yeah. and so on. There yeah, is yeah, research, yeah. and there are claims that these drugs, uh, under medical supervision, may have better effect. Um, in depression, anxiety, than mm-hmm. the regular drugs and so on. Yeah. And I s- may say, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, but we literally need more research. Yeah, and I, I th- these are topics that we're actually going to cover on this podcast with future guests, uh, psychedelic mm-hmm. research. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I always, one thing I say is that psychedelic drugs, unlike the other drugs, like uh, even alcohol or mm-hmm. nicotine, uh, require a little bit of courage mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're facing things within yourself. They're um, they're expanding and amplifying things within your consciousness and subconscious mind. So yeah, they require courage. Um, and I would say, in terms of, and I'm going off a little bit, but one uh, thing that I found very helpful in terms of um, concentration is uh, are these new uh, mushrooms like lion's mane. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of it. Just heard. Yeah, it's it's an edible mushroom which helps mm-hmm. with concentrating. And I've read that it actually is also uh, helpful with the gut microbiome. Okay. So it's uh, it's interesting aspects to look at. But again, I've from just analyzing how we're talking, I seem to be working more on the model of looking at individual uh, substances and foods and things and you're talking more of in a holistic and I think it yeah um, and again it's interconnected of course Uh, at first you have to make the big change uh, to substantially uh, change your um, your diet Mm -hmm. and then all the individual substances uh, can be helpful yeah if you don't substantially change your life uh, then you may eat different uh, individual substance substances but uh, they will have temporary effect and, right um, they will not do much mm-hmm. I'm so excited about uh, individual substances and new treatments as well but uh, as the science shows uh, that's the lifestyle that influences our behavior, our life, our health most. Okay, yeah, and that's interesting. One thing that I would like to mention as well, because we talk about food, things that we're putting into our body, and what about things that we put into our mind in terms of 
because today we're constantly connected with these smartphones people are on social media you know you're reading like people are reading these uh, kind of what we call clickbait news articles where people just read the title and it's some you know sensational title which makes people you know emotionally aroused or angry how about that like the, what's the what do you recommend with that type of nutrition if we can call it the, the same thing as uh, with the food nutrition mm -hmm. uh, we have to be aware and we are forgetting that that anything that we uh, let to go into our body mm -hmm. influences our body and it can be the food or it can be information yeah. so uh, information can literally change our brain because mm -hmm. new neurons uh, to create a new neuron connection neuronal connection yeah. uh, takes several milliseconds to seconds. Mm -hmm. So even during our talk, our brains are reorganizing. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're exposed to specific type of news, as for example, negative news, uh, or you live in a specific social environment, yeah. your brain is adapting to it. Mm -hmm. So um, if you watch uh, like horrors, horror films, yeah. On a regular basis, uh, you have to be aware that it will do something in your brain, mm. as well as uh, if you have negative thoughts uh, yeah. because you cannot resist, mm -hmm. uh, then the brain will be changed quite yeah. quite quickly. Right, because it's adapting to kind of a new yes. environment. Just if it's information, and let's say you're reading about crime or something like that, then maybe you're primed to expect like yeah. some kind of you know, you, you have to defend yourself. Or yeah. You have. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. that's, that makes sense. Uh, because especially uh, when we know that our brain uh, is not able to distinguish between what really happened mm. and what just uh, what didn't happen and right. I just read or uh, saw on TV and so on. So it's a memory. And yeah. uh, the, our behavior is based, as you were saying, on what we remember about the situations uh, that we experience or that we heard or heard of or saw. So, um, yeah, uh, we have to be very careful uh, about what we let in uh, mm -hmm. to our body. And that's interesting. That, that's like, you know, because you, you go to a movie, you go see a movie and, you, you know, you, your rational mind says, well, this is all fake. But then you know you're you're getting emotionally aroused. You're yeah. you're seeing this you know this nasty scene or you know, uh, and that's yeah and that's uh, makes sense. And I I personally uh, am somebody who enjoys mostly comedies, mm. but <laughs> um, but yeah I, I enjoy some horror, old horror movies that are funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the, there are uh, even studies showing that the type of movies or literature that you're interested in interested in uh, may influence your personality mm. as for example a research showing that teenagers who uh, play like aggressive video games and yeah. are looking at aggressive uh, um, movies may show more aggressive behavior some right. other researches are like denying that yeah. but uh, we have to be aware Again, that uh, whatever uh, goes into our mind or body simply 
will make a change. Yeah, and that's actually a very controversial can of worms to open because I know that there's yeah, mixed results and mm -hmm. there's it's a very polarizing topic. Mm -hmm. There's psychologists who claim absolutely there's violent games, violent movies are you know are, are creating more violence and people are you know getting desensitized to violence uh, and others say no and uh, my personal opinion is it has a lot to do with inner traits mm -hmm. with the type of personality and the person and the upbringing and things like like that because we see big differences for example in Japanese society and American society in terms of violence and, and exposure to similar levels mm -hmm. of violent media uh, but anyways now we're getting towards um, the end of our interview and I would like to ask if you could uh, give some kind of recommendations for the listeners of what are some concrete steps to take to improve their lifestyles to and maybe resources and where they can find you uh, well, I think that the main message should be uh, live the real life mm. uh, because our life is uh, moving um, into somewhere which is not um, like natural. Mm. So it, it's about the food, eat real food, move, uh, live real relationships not uh, relationships uh not digital relationships online, yeah. online relationships and uh, expose your body uh, to a serious level of stress it means a step out of the con comfort zone mm -hmm. so if from today uh everybody uh, eats literally just one apple uh, it can uh, substantially influence uh, the probability uh, of uh, getting uh, some uh, civilization diseases, uh, it can literally influence uh, your mood in long term. So mm -hmm. even small uh, changes in our life that will become habits. And there is mm -hmm. another book, interesting call, uh, book called uh, Atomic Habits. Okay. So if you are, if you start to build atomic habits, so um, uh, exposing yourself to cold shower every day, mm -hmm. regardless anything, yeah. uh, not eating uh, sugar, sweets, oh, biscuits um, under any circumstances, at least for a part of the day. Okay, it doesn't have to be for the entire day. Yeah, uh, then it's uh, it's a huge step mm. if it is regular right. if it is irregular then uh, it doesn't have any any sense so uh, set small goals mm -hmm. reach them yeah so we're creatures of habits and so make the make some kind of positive change some kind yeah. of things that you do on a daily basis yeah and this uh, this makes sense and I would say also with a healthy mindset and to mm -hmm. grow because you know, a lot of these things require resiliency and a kind of mental toughness or mm -hmm. hardiness, which is something that is also a, a creature of habit. That's something that we can grow mm -hmm. in ourselves. And just because you're in a situation today doesn't mean that you have to be in that tomorrow or, you know, yeah. things can change and you are ultimately you know, that part of you that we talked about, that will, that strength is 
something you can cultivate. So that's good. Okay, and um, where can uh, the listeners find you? Do you have, you, I know you have some books and... Uh, yes, uh, I have a page um, where uh, most of my books and articles are listed and mm-hmm. the web page is just my name and that's www.radiktacek.cz. Mm-hmm. And you also start your own podcast from what I... Uh, well, yeah, I have colleagues uh, and we're thinking of uh, something similar, but okay. the, your activity is great. And, uh, oh, thank you. Uh, and I enjoy it. I enjoy the previous um, series um, and interviews and you're doing definitely a great thing. Thank you. Well, it was a great pleasure and honor yeah. to have you on and uh, hope to have you on again for some other yeah. topics in yeah. another time. Thank you all the best. Thank you all for listening and have a great day.